What do I say every week in Bible study? I'm so excited. I'm so excited, y'all. You should be so excited. This is a small crowd here tonight, but you are mighty. And I'm telling you something, at the end of the night, this place is going to be on fire. They're going to have to call the fire department. I'm not kidding you. The band is going to get back up here and minister a song over you. And I'm telling you, he is lighting us on fire. This is what we have been crying out for. This is what for my 25 years at least, I have been crying out and burning for revival, asking him to come and visit us, asking him to pour himself out. And I like may have shrunk back a little bit for a while and I kind of started to go to sleep, but I am awake. And I'm like, yes, sir, I'm back. I'm on the front lines. I want you to pour your spirit out. Come and burn us with your holy love. Come and set us a flame of fire and leave all that's just me and you Jesus. When they were singing that song, it was reminding me, well, one of the songs, first of all, what a prophetic song that one was, the, um, I Can Feel the Fire. Oh my gosh, I just wanted to like jump out of my skin, which I am jumping out of my skin. But there's the scripture in Revelation when he sees him and he says, and there was one like the son of man whose hair was white as wool and his eyes were a flame of fire. And I want you to know that this coming revival, the coming, coming awakening that is happening is because of your intimacy with him. He is gazing into your eyes. And when you just shift your gaze and you are locked in with eyes of fiery, burning love, you discover who you are. There's no place for shame to remain there. There's no place for guilt. I don't have time to just do church. And you know what? Don't be thinking about Joey's question right now. Just pay attention to me. But I don't want to just do church anymore. I don't want to just do church. He's doing something really big. And I want to be smack dab in the middle of it. And so do you. Don't you? Gosh, y'all are awesome. I feel better already. (laughs) Jesus, can't you just feel his presence so strongly? I don't know why I can never decide where I want this thing. I want it up here so I can talk to y'all and walk around. What I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to talk to you about being shining ones. You were made to shine. You were made to burn brightly. And it's what he's doing. He is setting his bride on fire. We are a glory bride. You are a love bride. And I am telling you something. You will never be the same. I have come into this place of just this newness. And Joey made fun of me in the car. But I say it to him all the time. I'm so, I will be sitting there. And he looked over in the car. And tears are just streaming down my face. And he's like, oh, my gosh, what's happening over there? And I was like, can't you just feel his kindness? Like, I just feel his goodness and his kindness all over, all the time. And it's almost like I kind of can't look at him sometimes, because if I do, I'll just get wrecked. Is that what you're longing for? Really, the cry of the planet really is to be seen and known. Will somebody see me? Will somebody know me? Am I loved? And I am telling you, he loves you with a fiery, passionate, burning love. And his kindness and his goodness and the tsunami of all of that is headed our way. (laughs) And I have seen it. I have seen 20 years ago, and tonight I'm going to share from a place of encounter, and I'm going to share some of my encounters. 
what I want you to know about encounter, and, and, I've, and I've shared a couple of them in here before, but this is a newness and a freshness, freshness on it tonight. And when somebody is sharing an encounter, that is an invitation for you. That is a doorway for you to step into and actually receive that encounter yourself. It is the testimony of Jesus that is the spirit of prophecy. So when I am sharing something, I don't want you to be like, oh, well, that's really great for her, cool for her, cool for Phil that he had this great vision and he's in the throne room. No, I am releasing this to you and he is taking us there. You are seated in heavenly places. There is a wide open door into the throne room and we all get to go in there and party. And I have seen it and it is amazing. And so it was funny, Muzz, when Muzz was here, I just love the way Muzz prophesies. And he's just, he's so funny. And we were sitting there at the table eating lunch and he looked over at me and he starts quoting Jeremiah 1 to me. And Jeremiah 1 verse like 2 through 10 is important to me because it's when the Lord called me. I, I didn't, I'd never read that scripture before and I heard the Lord and, you know, I used to say it wasn't audibly, but I don't know because it was really loud and clear. And he began to say to me, Kelly, I have consecrated you. I have appointed you as a prophet to the nations. This, you will go. And I remember, and I immediately said, Lord, because this was 25 years ago, I was like, Lord, I'm too young. And immediately he's saying, do not say that I am just a youth, but you will go to whom I send, it, send you to, and you will not be afraid of them. He is quoting to me Jeremiah 2, 1, 2 through 10. Do you know the scripture? I found it later, but I'm like, I'm having this dialogue with God. And then he says, what do you see? And Jeremiah says, I see an almond branch. So Muzz starts to quote this scripture to me. And I immediately was like, did the religious thing. Oh yeah, I know that scripture. Thank you. That's so nice. Thanks. I've gotten that scripture a lot. He's like, no, you're not hearing me. He said, you are the almond branch. Kelly, you are the almond branch. So I went home and I was like, hmm, what does that mean? So I thought I should look it up. And do you know that an almond in Hebrew comes from the root word meaning to watch or to wake? In the Hebrew pictorial, they'd have pictures before they had words, and it was a picture of an eye. The almond tree is the first to awaken from its winter sleep. Come on. <laughs> I'm like, yes. Muzz said something else in here, and I want you to hear me. It is not about me, but what I have learned is that often, as a prophetic, revelatory teacher, what I am walking through is not just for me, but it is for the body of Christ. And Muzz made a statement, he very flippantly said, I imagine the biggest prophetic word that, the church, that you, Kingdom Life, have right now is what's happening in Pastor Kelly. And I want, you to tell, I want to tell you right now that I have come into this new place. It's like a shift. I didn't have to do anything to get there. The grace of God just crashed into my room and all of a sudden I found myself here and I don't know how I got here. And I am telling you, there is an awakening coming. I have seen it 25 years ago. I didn't know anything. I had just gotten filled with the Spirit, and I'm walking every morning. I was seeing rivers of revival coming down I-35 into San Antonio. Like, it was, I was seeing it with my eyes, walking, going, this is bizarre. What do I do with this? Lord, oh my gosh, there's a river coming. And then I thought, is it destructive? And I was like, no, it's good. This is a good thing. It's a revival. I was like, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? I don't know anything. And I hear him say, I want you to do identificational repentance. What? Identificational repentance. All right. So I'm like, I find myself, I'm just repenting for things that in my own life and things that need to come down and things that need to bow to the knee of Jesus. And as I was doing that, dams were coming down and the river could make its way through to where it wanted to go. 
I saw it so, so many times. So at the end of that, when he says, I am the Jeremiah, he says, I see an almond branch. And the Lord says, that's right. And he said, I am watching over my word to perform it. The Lord is watching over his word to perform it. What he has said, he will do. He is not a man that he should lie, or he's not like the son of man that he should change his mind. Has he not said and will he not do it? And you know what he said? He said he's going to flood the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And that is not head knowledge. In the ancient language, that means experiential knowledge, that we are going to experience the glory of the Lord. We are going to experience the tangible, manifest presence of God. It's going to be heavy and weighty. I am expecting, there's a great book called The Old Stories of Azusa, something, it's ch children's stories. And do you know that the cloud would come down on that, in that little tiny church, and the cloud is hovering around, and the children would play in it. The children are like under the cloud, the weighty presence of God. People got healed. Nobody has to lay hands on you in that place. The manifest presence of God is just doing business and taking care of it. And we just get to stand there and worship him. That's what's coming. I've seen it. So Habakkuk 2, let me just read it. Because this is what I'm doing. When he says, Kelly, you're an almond branch. And he's saying that he's going to flood the earth. That's Habakkuk 2.14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. This is my part. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what will be the answer of my complaint. And the Lord said, write the vision and make it plain so that he may run who reads it. For still the vision waits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. And then it goes in verse 4, and it says, But the righteous shall live by his faith. The awakening that's coming is, a, is an awakening of our intimacy with Jesus. It's our oneness. We have intimate oneness with him. I am made to experience him. The Bible is a record of encounters, people that had encounters with God. You and I are made for encounter. We are made to have encounters with God. I don't just like study that. I don't just read about him. I don't just memorize a few facts about him. I know him because I have experienced him. I know Joey, not because I memorized a bunch of facts about Joey and every day I'm walking around and I'm memorizing a few more so that if, you know, I know what he likes for breakfast, he likes Lucky Charms. But he doesn't anymore. He knows they're bad for you, so he doesn't eat Lucky Charms anymore. But he does like those. If he had his way, he would eat Lucky Charms every morning and probably Captain Crunch. But I don't buy that. Oh, you're leaving Chuck hanging. <clears throat> gotcha. Doing all things. When we first got married, we got married the week after we graduated from college and we moved to San Antonio. We didn't know anybody. And we lived in this little house in this neighborhood. And I told him, I didn't have a job yet. That was a whole other story because I didn't really graduate when I thought I had. It's a big story. <laughs> My dad spent money for four years at the University of Texas in Austin. And I had a job to teach here when we got married. And we got home from our honeymoon. And I had a letter from the University of Texas that I missed English 203. Like, I had an English minor, it was some prerequisite that I guess I didn't take, and so I didn't graduate, really, and I had to give up my job. That was fun. 
but I took it correspondence and I did get my degree from the University of Texas, but I also got pregnant that year, so I never taught. <laughs> I have a degree, but the story was, so I didn't have a job yet, but he did. He had his new job and I was like, being the good wife, I was like, honey, I will get up every morning and make you breakfast. And so <laughs> that first morning, oh my gosh, that alarm came so early and I walked into the kitchen I literally like took the Lucky Charms down, plopped it on the counter. I was like, all right, <laughs> happy eating, <laughs> have fun at work. <laughs> it's terrible. Is that true? It's true. No, I didn't. I was too tired. I just got that. So I may know that Joey loves Lucky Charms, but I actually know that because I experience him. I live with him. We have a daily encounter walk every single day. And surely that's growing in deeper intimacy if we have a good and healthy marriage, and I think that we do. And the same is true with your walk with the Lord, and he wants to reveal himself in a whole deeper way. The awakening of intimate oneness is that there is no separation. We sang it. He is your breath, the oxygen in my lungs. He, he, he's flooding you. He is fully, fully filling you. There is zero separation. Christ in you, the confident expectation of glory. So when I started seeing the rivers of revival coming all those 20 years ago, um, I knew that it was about encounter. I knew that he wanted to bring his manifest presence, but I had this one encounter. I don't know if I've shared it in here. Maybe I have, but I want you to hear it afresh tonight because I feel like the Lord told me to release it. You know, back then I thought all of that was going to happen right then, and now here we are. Here we are 20-something years later. But I do, I feel like the Lord is saying, Kelly, like, I want you to begin to release this now because I feel like in releasing this, I believe that you're going to have similar encounters and you'll have a part of the puzzle that I don't. We see in a glass darkly. We each have our own part. I have my part and you have yours. And I think we get to add to this fuller, beautiful revelation of what he's doing on the planet right now. But about 20 years ago, um, 23 maybe, I had this dream. And in the dream, we're in this gigantic room it's like a, it's, I don't, it was like a blank, all blank four walls. And on one wall, there's this fountain. You know, banks have a fountain with like marble with water trickling down it. Banks or buildings. And in this dream, we, the church, are all just worshiping. And we're going, Lord, it's an old Carmen song. It's Lord, send the rain, pour out your spirit, let the fire fall, heal us one and all. But we're literally, we're singing it like this, like we've done it a hundred times. I think partly what's happened in the church is we've gotten so apathetic. There's been so much apathy. There's so much boredom. There's so much, eh, we've, that, I, that wasn't as good as last week's sermon, and I liked the other worship better than that one. And we become so critical, and we're judging the bride. We're judging what God wants to do on the earth. And because we start to get in that place, and because for me personally, I get into this place of even responsibility of church leadership, I even found myself in the last years just sort of shrinking back just a little. And that's why right now, like, I can feel it like it just happened to me. So in this encounter, we're singing that song. Like we've sung it a hundred times. Lord, send the rain. Pour out your spirit. Let the fire fall. Heal us one and all. Come, you know, we're singing. And I then become aware of the fountain. And water that was trickling down this marble fountain begins to trickle a little harder and a little harder and a little harder. And we're singing and I have this thought, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's going to really do it. 
he's going to pour himself out. And that water begins to rush harder and harder, and the, it, the water is at ankle deep, and the water is then knee deep, the water is then waist deep, and then it is a river that cannot be contained. And people, some people are just enjoying the refreshing presence of the Lord, and other people were terrified. Other people were running and trying to find loved ones and, and rushing away, trying to get away from this river that was God's presence. And I, at that point, when I had that, I'd never read Ezekiel, what is it, 40-something? Ezekiel 47. Ezekiel 47, where the, the water fills the temple, that's what I was seeing. So I'm in this dream, and immediately I wake up. And Jesus walks in my bedroom from the corner. There are doors over there. And Jesus walks in the bedroom. And I curl up in a ball, like shaking, curl up in a ball. And I felt holy terror, holy terror. And he comes up to me, and he says, get my people ready for I am coming back. And I said, Lord, get my people ready, for I am coming back. And I said, Lord, am I ready? And he said, get my people ready, for I am coming back. And I said, what do you want me to do? And he said, walk pure and holy before me. You know, it's the same thing that he told Abraham when he cut covenant with Abraham. And he told Abraham, your descendants are going to be like the stars of the sea, and I give you this land, and all the generations are going to come out of you. And he said, Abraham, walk pure and holy before me. The Lord is taking us into a deeper place of purity and holiness in this time. The intimacy that he's doing, it's all about walking in purity. It's all about walking in holiness. And society, you know what? Society is longing for true, authentic, spiritual encounters. They're longing for something really real that's not tainted, that's not somebody else's agenda with a few little add-ons tacked on. They actually want the real deal, the authentic thing. And here, we, as we are stirring up our hunger, hunger is one of the currencies of heaven. Hunger attracts the presence of God to you. He can't help himself. And so when the we are all hungry, and we have the authentic, we know the authentic. People are just tired of religion. They do not want a system that has some form of godliness but lacks power. We have power. We know the one who holds all power, all authority, and he lives in us. I am one with him, a vibrant, intimate, living connection with Jesus, the living Christ, fully filling me. No separation, no distance. He wants our hearts to awaken to that. Living in purity and holiness because I have been made one with the one that is pure and holy. I can be holy because he is holy and he lives inside of me. And his holiness is burning brightly. I have been brought to union with the one who is. And I do, I do know, and it is what he's going to do, that he wants to release his spirit without measure, flooding every areas of our lives. So where that we have had pain and brokenness, where we've had life circumstances, depression, anxiety, all of that, he is going to come and restore it. His transforming power in your lives fully filling you leaves no room for petty jealousy. When I am so full of God, all of the stuff that seemed to mean so much yesterday just doesn't really bother me anymore because I'm just so delighted in him and he in me. You were made to look like him. 
when you were looking in his eyes, you actually get to discover who you are and you're reflecting his gaze and you look like him. You know how people say that you begin to look like your dogs? Or your, that's a terrible analogy. That was a terrible analogy. That was not from God. It was not in my notes and it was not from God. But you do, you begin to look like each other and take on each other character and nature. In this place that I'm talking about, darkness cannot remain. All lies of the enemy get exposed. There's no fear, there's no unbelief that can stay in that place. Self-protection, defensiveness, I learned that it is safe now for me to let go and let down because I've looked into the eyes of love. Because I know who I was made for and I know who I am. Ephesians 4.24, if we have it. This is in the Passion. It says, be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within as your new life and live in union with him. For God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness, and you now belong to him in the realm of true holiness. So you, as a new creation, have been born again. You are recreated in his perfect righteousness and true holiness. So the righteousness, the purity, the holiness, it's already living inside of you. His nature has become your new nature. Your new nature is his. You reflect each other. And it is in that embrace that we are transformed. And I shared with you all this encounter. I've shared with it couple times in here before, but two weeks ago, I went to this retreat out in Abilene, and just God took me right back into it, and I feel like this is what he has for us tonight, and where I've kind of been living, um, but I, I don't know how many years ago, 20 maybe years ago, no, it wasn't, no, 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 it was like 10 years ago, I had a vision where there was a huge door standing open in heaven, and I knew that I had the right to go in, and, and I'll go in, and I'm wearing this white gossamer gown, and the Father is sitting on the throne, and Jesus is sitting at the right hand on the throne, and the Holy Spirit was on the left hand, which was weird, and I was like, Lord, is this biblical? Because <laughs> I'm seeing this, but you know, it's like, and you can't, sometimes we, when we're seeing things, we're kind of like wanting it to be something different according to our own mind, but when it bypasses your brain, he's showing you what is. Does that make sense? I don't know. So he's showing me this. There's Father God in the center, and there's Jesus, and there's Holy Spirit. And I have on this white gossamer gown, and I am just like a childlike faith. I just am dancing before him. I'm dancing before the Father. And the Father looks at me just with these love in his eyes, and he nudges Jesus, and he says, get down and dance with her. And so Jesus comes down, and he dances with me. And then he nudges Holy Spirit, Holy, get, get down there and dance with her. And then Father comes down, and we are all of us, we are just ecstatically, joyfully dancing, like in the circle, of, like you see at Jewish weddings where you're like just all full of joy and you're all dancing in that circle. We're just dancing around together in this circle. And as we are, at first I can't tell what it is, but this gold dust is just being released off of our lives. The more crazy joyful we become, the more gold, the more glory is being released in the earth. And I knew that he said that it is in the dance. It is in the dance with the triune God, in intimacy, in that oneness, in joy, in delight, he is releasing his glory. The experiential knowledge of the glory of the Lord is filling the earth in that dance. And 
So this weekend when I was, oh no, and this is the, so in that vision, all of a sudden blazoned across the whole thing, it said the dance. And so I asked, um, I think it was my mom at the time, and I said, mom, do you know anything about this? And she said, well, there is, you should look up. There's an old term that the early church used to use, and it's called perichoresis. And perichoresis meant that it was the, it explained the triune Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and it was mutual indwelling without the loss of unique personhood or individual identity. It literally meant to twirl about, like to dance, and that's how they would describe the Trinity. That's what Jesus was praying for too. Remember when Jesus said, I pray that they may be one, Father, as you and I are one, and, and that their glory may be in me as, as you have given, uh, something like that. You get it. It was the unity, it's the oneness that Jesus prayed for. That's what I was seeing. So this weekend, when I was at this retreat, we were in worship, and I felt like I was supposed to move over to this other side of the room, and I felt like the Lord wanted to take me into a past encounter that I'd had. See, that's the good news too. When you've had an encounter, it's yours and nobody can take it away from you. It's part of your inheritance and you can revisit it and go back into it. But God has given us the ability because I can, in my mind's eye, in the imagination of the screen in my mind, I can begin to look for him in that place and find him and encounter him again there. So I move over to this other side of the room and I'm like, Lord, what do you wanna show me? What do you wanna do? And I wasn't really paying attention to what they were singing. And all of a sudden, I saw that picture again, and I knew he wanted to take me into the dance. So I'm like, okay, so we're in the dance, and I'm seeing that part again, but everything shifted. And it wasn't this crazy, radical, joy-filled dance with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It was just me and Jesus. And now I wasn't just wearing that. My gown was different. It had these leaves and everything entwined on it. And Jesus and I are dancing, and it is a very intimate dance. And it's heart to heart, it's cheek to cheek, it's belly to belly, it's a strong embrace, and we're dancing. And he, I literally hear him say, okay, let me lead. Because <laughs> I like to lead. <laughs> Joey, Joey always has to say, let me lead. <laughs> Kelly, I hear him say, let me lead. And so I just let go, and I'm able to just so relax in the safety of his embrace. And as soon as I do that, the walls go back and the entire place is like blinding white. You said something about blurriness, there's no blur. The walls go back and I'm in a Roman amphitheater <laughs> and there are angels all around the room and it's just me and Jesus dancing in the middle of this Roman amphitheater with angels in attendance watching us. And he says, this embrace is your safe space. That in the intimacy with him, where it was almost like no one else existed is the safest place to be. And as he said that, you know how they would open up doors and lions would come out to kill them? The gladiators, you know? The lions would come out and the chariots would come out and darts and all of this stuff is coming at us and nothing can touch us there. Nothing can touch me there. And he said, the safe, the, Kelly, the, this embrace is your safe space. No lie of the enemy can penetrate that intimate place with you and Jesus. No weapon formed against you in that place can prosper. You know that all power and all authority have been given to you and nothing of the enemy shall touch you there. Do y'all know what I'm saying? We can, we can read those scriptures. I just quoted you three scriptures. I can memorize them, I can put them on my mirror, or I can experience them in full on body. 
My spirit and my soul and my body know that no weapon formed against me will prosper because I am in the embrace of the one who holds all power and all authority. How long do I have? 615? In that place, I'm not worried about accusation and slander and all of this stuff. I'm not worried about that because I'm just, I recognize that it can't land. It has no place to stay. There's no room for it when you know how loved you are. What does it look like to be fully flooded with God? What does it look like to so radiate his glory? Because in that dance, in that place, he was radiating white, hot love, brightness. He's shown with brightness. And I want us to look, and I don't remember if we have the scripture, but turn to Luke 9. And I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation. But this is the time that we're living in. This is the transfigured life. And I believe that this is what he's doing right now in the body and with his bride. And in Luke 9, verse 28, remember Jesus took Peter and James and John and they went up on the Mount of Transfiguration. Some of your translations might say, not the Passion. And Jesus, it says, as Jesus, as he prayed, his face began to glow until it was a blinding glory streaming from him. His entire body was illuminated with a radiant glory. His brightness became so intense that it made his clothing blinding white like multiple flashes of lightning. And then all at once, two men, they appear from the cloud of witnesses. Moses and Elijah, they're speaking to Jesus about his soon departure. And this is the part that I prophetically believe why the Lord, this is what the Lord's doing right now in the body. It's verse 32. It says that Peter and his companions had become very drowsy, but they became fully awake when they saw the glory and splendor of Jesus standing there with them. We are going to become fully awake when we see bright, burning, shining ones radiating the glory of God. The, the glory that I saw coming down I-35 was not an outside thing. It was coming from rivers of living water flowing out of our innermost being. The glory is flooding out of people because we are radiating, because we are looking in his face, because he is shining his bright, shining light. Jesus, when he's praying, he's looking up to his Father face to face. Jesus has a face to face encounter with his father and his face was bright white radiating and so is yours. That's how we're meant to live. That's what he has for us so that when we are going to be fully awake and see his glory. And the way that I do that is I just turn in to my intimate connection. It happens right here. I have this intimate connection with him and I turn in. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, in the English Standard, it says that we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord as in a mirror, are being transformed or transfigured into the very same image from one degree of glory to another. The Passion Translation says that this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It happens in his gaze. When you look into the eyes of love, nothing else matters. 
I don't have time for lesser loves anymore. I don't want to waste time on lesser things or cheap substitutes or counterfeits or idols, you know? I, it's up to me. Joey said something earlier. It's, there's a choice to let it in. There's a choice to, to reject some thoughts and receive others. Every single day, because God has given me a free will, I have a choice. And I have to choose to protect my intimate connection, the secret place. If the place of abiding is the secret place. And to look like him, you need to spend time with him. He wants us to spend time, and, and I think that we can grow busy doing other things, and I just don't hear him calling, Kelly, come here. I want to spend some time with you today. And it's so worth it. Ephesians 2, 7 in the Passion says, Throughout the coming ages, we will be the visible display of the infinite, limitless riches of his grace and kindness. God is putting us on display before all of the angels, before all of the powers of hell. You and I get to visibly represent his kindness, his grace, his goodness. I love in Romans 8, 28, it says that the entire, in the Passion, it says, the entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. Isn't that awesome? All creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay and experience with us the wonderful freedom of God's children. That's what he's doing. In 1 Peter, it says that this salvation that we now have, it's that even the angels long to look into it. His presence made manifest in flesh on you and me, in you and me. All of his divine nature is now your nature, and you shine. And I need to know who I am. You need to know who you are. You need to know your worth and your value. Your worth was determined by what Jesus was willing to pay, and it cost him everything. You're worth everything. You are his passion. You are his great delight. You are his joy. You are his burning ones. And so I'm asking you, do you feel hunger growing inside of you? Do you feel like your heart kind of pounding a little bit and you kind of are feeling that leaning in, like I'm going to lean in and I'm asking you to lean in with me because he is returning for a glorious, spotless bride. And we are in a time right now where we are being refined. I'm going to ask the band, if y'all just want to come up, they're going to just kind of start to play, but we're going to do some ministry. And here's the thing. There is a refining that's happening. And we are refined by fire, and we are being pure and holy with his purity, with his holiness. And I get to radiate and I get to shine. And guess what? It's not my shiny self I used to talk about. Remember I said, you know, I discovered that I had this shiny self and my shiny self is the one that I would put forward for everybody to see. So I'd be accepted. So you would like me and I need, I'm going to be who I think you need me to be. You know, that's my shiny self. That is not it at all. That is just tarnished and black in comparison with the self that he's presenting, with the radiance of his glory, that shining.
So when he says, get my people ready for I am coming back and walk pure and holy before me. I'm saying yes, Lord. I want to say yes. There's a scripture in Malachi 3.2 and it says, but who can endure the days of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? He is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. He is the refiner and he is refining us. He is purifying us. A refiner is a tester of metals to purge gold or silver by fire and to separate it from the dross. So when he's purifying us and he is refining us, I used to hate when I would hear that because I was just so consumed with the dross. I was so fearful because I thought that all he could see were what I saw about myself. And it was that I'm not that worthy. I had a lot of insecurity. I had a lot of shame. There was a lot of stuff in my life. And as in the refining process, as that stuff is coming up to the surface, he just skims it off because he's always been after the gold. His glory in you, he is digging for gold in you. That's what he's doing. We're being refined, we're being purified so that that gold, that shining bright radiance of Jesus is going to be shining brightly from our faces. And you know what? I want to burn with him. I want to burn. I want to burn with holy fire. You know, John Wesley, who started the Methodist um, denomination or movement, when they asked him how he drew such large crowds, he said, well, I just set myself on fire and then I invite people to come and watch me burn. I know I can light myself on fire. I can stir the hunger within me because I just continue to feed off of him and then I've had a big, huge meal, but now I have to have more because he's just that good and I can't stop. So I'm just continually feeding. I am like setting myself on fire. It's like Joshua was a firebrand plucked out of the fire. That's who you are. You are a firebrand. You are a burning one. And I feel like he wants to consecrate us again tonight. I feel like, you know, there's times in my life where I'm just like, yes, Lord. And I just, once again, I come before you and I'm like, I sign up all over again. I would do it all over again. Here I am. Put me on the front lines. Put me in the game, coach. I'm here. I'm ready. And I feel like he wants to do that. I feel like he wants to, like, send fresh fire to consume us. His fiery, passionate love. And so I really, I just want to ask you, if you want that, you know, there's things that I've had to let go of. There's just some things that they just don't profit. They're not beneficial for me in this season, and I have to just lay those things down. I'm holding some things very loosely now. There are some things that God knows I want. There's some things that I feel like this is what I'm supposed to have, but even that, Lord, I will give you that. 
I offer you my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. I offer you my members as members of righteousness to come and consume me, come and burn me, come and have all of it, God. And I feel like there's some of you in here that want that same thing. And so if you do, I invite you to come down here and I want you to like make this an altar and I want you to ask the holy fire of God to come and burn. And they're gonna sing over us in a minute. sing over us and this is the bride making herself ready the bride is making herself ready Jesus is beautifying and glorifying his bride You know, in marriage, you know, there's this part of the ceremony, and I like it, not everybody sells it, says it this way, but, I, but we say, with my body, I thee wed. Lord, with my body, I thee wed, come and have all of me, God. You can have all of me, God. Oh Lord, we lay our lives down, these lives that you have given to us, Lord, we lay them down on the altar, and Lord, won't you come and consume us, God? Won't you let your fire fall? Won't you come and consume us, God? And I feel like just if some of you, you might need to do business with God and you can talk to him and you can do whatever you want. And we're gonna have the band minister over us. And um, I just want you sometimes, listen guys, I found the other day at women's Bible study, I found these words flow out of my mouth and I feel that way right now. I was praying and I was like, Lord, I am the woman with the issue of blood. Like, I am going to do everything. I'm going to push past all of the fear of man. I'm going to be pushed past the fact that I could be stoned, that I am not supposed to be here in this place. But I am the woman with the issue of blood, and I am desperate just to grab the hem of his garment. I have to have him. And there is healing in this place. There is deliverance in this place for you. Some of you are gonna get up and some of that stuff that has felt like such a heavy weight is gonna break off of you. Depression will break off, anxiety, confusion, all of that stuff, hopelessness and despair. Not knowing what you're supposed to do next, I feel like he's just gonna come and consume it. So Lord, here we are. Here we are, God, come and consume us, consume us, God, with your fire.